0: Cinebabble episode 48. I am your host, Ken, and as always, uh, my co host, controversial shock jock, Clint Jones. Clint Jones, tell the world hello. Controversial? Yeah. So I'm a little upset at you, Clint. (laughs) I have been uh, reading the interwebs. And that's um, your first mistake, is that? Well, unbeknownst to me, apparently. Uh, for those of you at home, if you don't know, Clint Jones has gone to war with Spotify, and Neil <laughs> Young has lo- uh, left the platform yeah. uh, over this controversy. Uh, apparently, Clint has been spreading vaccine misinformation, uh, using racial slurs, Clint. Um, this sounds like and, somebody uh, else, N- not me. No, it, it was—maybe it was, it was somebody else. Yeah. Maybe I'm confused.
1: Yeah, I think that was Joe Rogan. Yeah. 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 What do you
0: think of Joe Rogan, Clint? <laughs>
1: Wow! Put me on the spot with that. <laughs> I, I I've never been a fan of Joe yeah, Rogan, so yeah. it's I've tried, and um, like legitimately tried to get into like read or um, not read yeah. I know, reads the transcripts of his show, uh, listen to his show, or but it, it always rubs me the wrong yeah, way. Yeah,
0: I think people forget that he used to be uh, just the guy who hosted Fear Factor. <laughs> people really put a lot into him, and I'm always like, it, this is. I get it. Yeah, yeah. But so, so anyway, my takeaway from this is if we just get really racist mm-hmm. and spread information that leads to the death of uh, people, then uh, we'll we'll get millions of
1: listeners too. That's a good plan. I like yeah, it. I think Spotify will defend us. I I um, have um something up, like a little update on a story you told a couple okay. weeks ago. Your story about getting the ring. And yeah, you because yeah, the there back. was footprint on there, there your were, yeah, um, boot prints. on your back deck. Large footprints. prints. <laughs> well, there was a couple, I mean it was like a week ago, I woke up and went <laughs> to look outside, mm-hmm. and there were strange print on my back porch. And I started freaking out. Right. And I, and like they looked really fresh because it was snowy yeah. the night before. And I was like, I was about to go tell Jenny. I was about to go, like go see if my camera picked something up. And then I I noticed the print, and I was like that looks about the size of Jenny's footprint but I don't recognize that shoe <laughs> night so, prowler Jenny yeah. Jones so then I went and compared one of her shoes that was close to the door and it ended up just being Jenny okay. and well, so good. my that's my uh, yeah my alarm bells stopped ringing and that's I good. went back to just living my isn't life isn't it a creepy feeling though yeah oh, but you put awful. that in my mind that oh there's a prowler out there uh, he is he is yeah. he's stock maybe <laughs> that's men
0: for has tracked us down. And uh, after that bad review on Apple, uh, they just weren't happy with uh with their sexist white supremacist <laughs> ways. And now they're
1: yeah, about well, to get us, Clint. I want to still believe it's just Sinatron playing a goof on us.
0: Yeah, well, there you go. Yeah. All right, Clint, what you've been watching this week? Watching, watching
1: um, I've been I've been watching quite a few things, uh, but I'll, I'll narrow it down here. I just found this new animated show um, called Doomlands that is on the Roku channel of all channels. Mm-hmm. I've heard of this. And um, it's created by Josh O'Keefe, who he, I think he just came, like he, it was part of a university project that he was doing. And then he um, found, uh, crowdfunded um, the pilot and then got picked up and It kind of is a mix between Mad Max and Cheers or The Office where it's like an off like a – like As the strangest
0: description I've ever heard. Yeah, it's
1: like a workplace (laughs) comedy but during like the post-apocalyptic like hellscape and they're like (laughs) roaming the like um, the desert in this big like – Um, (laughs) kind of Mad Maxian vehicle that has... It's a bar, and it's a traveling bar. And I'd say it's somewhere... It's kind of um, Rick and Morty-ish, the show, but not quite. Like, it's... um, in that realm, like you could definitely imagine it on like Adult Swim okay. or something, but it was really good. And Is it only on Roku? Is that yeah. the only place I can find it? It's like okay. they they picked it up and that's their exclusive. Okay. But it's worth watching and they're only like 10 minutes each, so it's a quick watch. Um, it's always
0: interesting to me where exclusives are. It was like um, we're, we're talking about Nightmare Alley, the new Nightmare mm-hmm. Alley this week, and I went looking for the original 1947 version. Yeah. Couldn't find it at first because mm-hmm. it was an exclusive to one of the channels that Roku has.
1: I know, yeah.
0: Um, it was like so, you had to get a
1: subscription for it. Yep, and I was yep. Like, I'm not and that's when that. I found I found
0: the full version on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, uh, but it was just it it got me thinking of how strange it is that uh, you know just these little things you would not think somebody scooped up for exclusivity. I know somebody did.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, so it's worth watching okay. for sure. I'll, I'll I, check it out. I think you would enjoy it. Okay. Um the next thing that I watched which I have not finished but uh a little show that popped up on Netflix this past week called Murderville. So this is what I was going to talk about. <laughs> Let's talk about it
0: together then. I I I'm all about that. Okay. <laughs> can I can I tell you my experience with Murderville? Yeah, please. I really wanted to like this. Show. Me too. Okay, good. Okay. So we're on the same page. Yes. You're not about to tell me how amazing and no, funny this I, was. No, I
1: said I didn't finish it, and there's a reason. <laughs> there's, it's painful. It's off the first. It's so even the first episode with Conan O'Brien, I actually, which I had high hopes for. I really liked that episode, yeah. and I and that was the one that got me hooked. And just, and but I think I was totally blinded by just my love of Conan. Yep,
0: yep, that and was me.
1: Then I got to the second episode, and I was just like, this. It doesn't feel like... The second
0: episode's real
1: bad. Yeah. Yeah. The, now, the
0: first episode, I love Conan O'Brien so yeah. much, and so I enjoyed it. And I yeah. thought, this is the first episode. It, it wasn't great, but I yeah. had fun with Conan. Yeah. And And, uh, you know, let's see
1: where this goes. He could at least play along yeah. and, like, add to the improvisation of it. Yeah. Um, and I feel like the second one was the one getting all the praise. And I think he did fine for what, like, but... Even like Will Arnett, and that wasn't very good, yeah. and it, it almost started feeling like a prank show rather than yep. this uh, improvised comedy show. Yeah. My my big problem was it, there's so much
0: storytelling and clue dropping. Yeah, there's very little improv. Yeah, and even the situations where there's a chance for improv, it's it's not. It, it just it doesn't have uh, a good setup no. to really let some of these people play. Yeah, uh, I skipped ahead. Eventually, I just I got so tired of even trying to watch it. I skipped ahead to the Kim Jong yeah. episode, which is the very last one. It's awful, really? because he just laughs the whole time. Yeah, and it's not uh, it's not amusing laugh like on Saturday Night Live, like mm-hmm. ha 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 ha, and you're laughing because it is genuinely funny and it's cracking them up. It's not funny. No. But you're just watching these people have a good time. It was almost – I constantly felt like I was on the outside yep. of
1: somebody's inside joke. Yeah. The Kamail one, did you watch that no. one? That one was like kind of the same thing where yeah. he's laughing a lot and like he's just making him do stupid stuff rather than letting yeah. him like play how he would want to play. Yeah. In the moments where he got to do that, like – and he's a he was a comedian before he be, was like in the Eternals yeah. and everything. Um. So he has the skills to do it, but like it was always forcing him to like do stupid yeah. walks and stuff, and it was just like this is uh. it's it's very almost grade school juvenile, yeah, yeah. not not as in like. Uh,
0: um, Whatever it just it just it felt very a five year old would laugh very hard yeah. at these things like yeah. lay on the floor and and do this thing and you've got to pretend to this and repeat after me from your earpiece and yeah it's so. what,
1: I feel like it's kind of degrading to them because they're very they are skilled people yeah. that I feel like they could bring their own thing to the yeah. to the like situations they're set into but they're yeah like I we already said they're forced to do. Juvenile things. I, it's becoming really apparent to me
0: that Will Arnett is not very talented. <laughs> um, I think he was great in Arrested Development. Yeah. But I think that character was just perfect for him to be able to uh, use a very narrow kind of comedic talent that he yeah. has for for kind of that, that jerky, uh, whatever you want to call that. But well, I just yeah. – ever since then, I just – I love him, and I want to enjoy what he's doing. Yeah, but you know, when your next claim to fame is the voice of Lego Batman,
1: well, and he had all Bojack Horseman, which I really—that's true. And yeah, I but forgot about that's that. That's not a far off character from Joe. No, no. gob. Yeah.
0: Well, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, I'm I'm glad you watched it because uh, man, I was going to unload on that thing.
1: Yeah, man. Um, okay. The next thing, a good thing that I watched or am watching it, just the new seasons just started, but the righteous gemstones mm. on, uh, HBO and, uh, season two, right? Season two of that show, which had a little bit of a hiatus before, but it was probably COVID times and yeah. couldn't do the show how they wanted to, but it's just as great. And yeah. it's, um, <laughs> like just playing with all that stuff I grew up with, like it's <laughs> Adam, um, Adam Devine, he is that his name? Yeah, yeah. He he has his own like power team in yeah. this one, and it's so funny. Like power team, like the weightlifter power yes. team guys, where oh, they go that's... to schools and they're performing and ripping phone okay. books like everything. I down remember to a T. all that stuff. Yeah, and he's playing with that, and it's okay. and uh, it's going a lot into like John Goodman's his like backstory, his character, okay. and um, I'm thoroughly enjoying it. I may I may try it again. I actually stopped halfway through the
0: first season and i i can't explain why maybe this is a beginner's <laughs> moment but it's it's one of those things where you know how you can make fun of your mom or dad but if somebody else makes fun of your mom or dad you get offended by it even well, if they're right so that's that's kind of the feeling i got watching righteous gemstones it's it's right and it's funny and i get what they're satirizing but at the same time i'm sitting there and it, it made me uncomfortable because it put me in this weird position where I'm defending <laughs> something that I know was the wrong way to do things. Well, you would uh, never defend a mega church like that. No, no, I wouldn't. But it just that's that's why I hated that feeling. Cause it would just be like my brain would say, Well, but they mean well. And then I would hate that my brain but, was defending these people because well, also you gotta
1: I, you know that family doesn't mean well really. Right, right. And also, I mean, um, Danny McBride grew up in the same like in the church and everything yeah. so he's yeah. kind of satiring his upbringing I, I
0: think it was just giving me too many existential <laughs> crises yeah <laughs> and I couldn't I couldn't resolve my my you know upbringing yeah um for me it felt therapeutic. well yeah. that's, I'm glad for you. It's a very <laughs> funny show uh it's very well done and um the thing I, I do appreciate on that end of it it's not satirizing uh belief or somebody having belief.
1: this specific... It's this
0: specific people taking advantage of other people's belief and Mm -hmm. faith. And so I I do appreciate that. And I I think that's something that some people wouldn't even give it a chance because they're like, oh, it just makes fun of, you know, it's Ricky Gervais style, but... I I think it's really funny.
1: No. Yeah. So So that's all I've been – what have you been watching about? Uh, Murderville. That's all? It's terrible. Yeah. (laughs) That's that's the only thing. (laughs)
0: January and February, for some reason, my wife do this every year, uh, my wife and I, but a new season of Top Chef came on, and so we've just been watching cooking shows. Yeah. Um, And I I don't know why that's – Man, pardon the pun, comfort food. But it just there's something, you know, early winter, just kind of sit around and watch other people cook things you're never going to cook. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. I just enjoy that. And so I haven't I haven't watched a lot other than what we're talking about yeah. today. But I'll tell you what I have watched. Okay. I watched the last two episodes of the Book of Boba Fett. Oh. And so I think we should do a little Mandalorian minute. Let's do it. On these shining gems of Star Wars. <laughs>
1: Mandalorian. Minute.
0: So uh the last two episodes of the book of Boba Fett. Yeah. Uh let's just let's just call them Mandalorian season 2.5. Yeah.
1: Is that fair? That's totally fair.
0: Because I, I literally think Boba Fett shows up in these things for three minutes in yeah. both episodes combined. Yeah. Uh they check Even in with if him. that. If that, he's not in episode five at all. No. Or episode, is that four? Whatever the, the the one was where it was just the Mandalorian. Yeah. He's not in that at all. Fennec Shand is in it at the very end. Mm-hmm. That's the connection point. And then the episode after that, he it's one of those like, meanwhile, back at Tatooine. Oh, right. They did do and, that. And it I hops totally, over yeah. and shows him like just standing at a, a planning meeting with yeah, the mods yeah. and angry Chewbacca. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs>
1: He's totally just yeah angry. <laughs> He's just angry
0: Chewbacca. He's yeah. really I like it. He's a cool yeah. character. But um, I really thought the way it was setting it up at the at the beginning of book of Boba Fett. This was going to be a, assemble the bounty hunters. Yeah, you know kind of a rogues gallery of bounty hunters, and they're going to go against the pikes. And other than angry Chewbacca, uh, like the mods, come on. Yeah. Um. And so I it just it really feels like a missed opportunity. Um. But that yeah. said and i know you have different feelings i did not enjoy the mandalorian episode much at all because i think the not removing your helmet and this is the way stuff is stupid it's so dumb it it just it, and and then hop over to the the episode with luke i actually really enjoyed the episode with luke mm. i enjoyed the check-in with kind of that that old trilogy feel and post return of the jedi luke but it reminded me of how terrible Uh, George Lucas directed Mark Hamill's performance to be in Return of the Jedi. Yeah. He does this thing, and it's not present in Empire. Suddenly in Jedi, he's this very Uh monk-like, monotone. He's trying to walk the path of the Jedi. And I feel like George Lucas's version of the Jedi, as evidenced by the prequels, super boring. Uh And I feel like the, the Mandalorian's... Are the exact same way. It's like they're going out of their way to make these cultures stoic and, and boring. And yeah. I, I don't get it because what I loved about the original Star Wars movies is the adventure and the yeah, feel of yeah. adventure. And it's just not there. So what did you think of these two episodes?
1: I totally agree with you. I I did not like that episode at all. Like the the sixth is it the sixth one the one where they're he's training. the one that starts with him raiding the meat packing factory yeah
0: <laughs> like seriously guys you couldn't do more than just put a mask on a meat
1: packing factory well, actually uh, no that that episode the the first of the that's the first of the two that we're talking about yeah. I enjoyed that one okay yeah but it felt like D and D. Yeah, it felt like we're going to upgrade our weapons and yeah. we're going to upgrade our armor. Now we're going to go upgrade our ship. The whole thing—it was like—I feel like these past two episodes are so throwaway, or they should have begin, been the beginning of the new Mandalorian yeah. season, or just like a little teaser. Put out those two episodes as a yeah, you know, like, a little while. He's thing. off, like yeah, yeah like, a, a let's,
0: literal two point five. Yeah, while you're waiting for season three.
1: Um, but I mean, I enjoyed it. As I was watching it, but it was like after the fact, I'm like, there were, that was kind of pointless, <laughs> totally pointless. And then um, the second of the two that we're talking about, that one I disliked from—like, I hated that hmm. episode. I hated that we had to go and see what Grogu was doing. Why can't we—he just have it, like, the Mandalorian, have his own a little— me time and a little adventure. <laughs> a little, little me time. And I know that was kind of the the episode before that, but let's like let him like go do something or like just not do this episode. Why do we need to go check in with Grogu all of a sudden? I don't care about his training. And I know that you were a big fan of the VFX for this. A big fan. I, I have continued to be. I thought it was slightly better than hmm. when they did the first time, but the only the thing that i think was worse was his voice was terrible so do you know how they did his voice have you read about this was it some algorithm
0: it's uh, literally they took audio files yep. from Return of the Jedi, I knew it. fed it into a computer, yep. and it spoke the lines. That blew my mind. And it, See, it, and it sounds like it. Well, but the reason I didn't pick up on it at first is because that's the exact delivery that Mark Hamill does in Return of the Jedi.
1: But it's it's even so much more robotic.
0: It just—for me, Luke Luke has always been a frustrating character. I, I loved the Jedi stuff when I was a kid, but I realized if you had handed Han Solo a lightsaber— I just would have lost my mind because that would have been my perfect blend.
1: Yeah. But it it was so distracting to me Mm -hmm. that I was like, what did they do to it? Like, this doesn't even sound like Mark Hamill. It does, it points, but it's like, there's something so off about it. I know he didn't do the reading for it because his voice is so much different now, Yeah, but it was so distracting. And I just wanted to get back to Boba Fett. Yeah, Uh, The whole time, I'm like, okay, why can't we just, at the end of the last episode where he's Simba <laughs> has his new armor and everything. Like, okay, they they picked him up. He can go meet up with them now. What's really surprising to me is that
0: there's only one episode left. This oh, week's God. the finale. And yeah. so they spent two episodes yeah. literally doing nothing it's... with their title character and title plot and doing, you know, The Mandalorian. And so, again, fine, do a four-episode Book of Boba Fett miniseries and then throw up You know, two episodes of The Mandalorian is a separate thing. Yeah. uh, And they're crossing over or whatever. That's fine. Uh, But when when your series is already that short, Mm -hmm. why do you need The Mandalorian to come back in the first place? Right. We already saw a Mandalorian and Boba Fett crossover. And so it feels – this all feels very much like when they first started coming up with this idea, they should have made The Mandalorian Boba Fett. This yes. all should be one story. Yeah, exactly. And and I feel like they, they went in on a second character instead of just resurrecting Boba Fett. This could have been Boba Fett and Grogu and then Boba Fett and all this stuff. And mm-hmm. Boba Fett is the, the bounty hunter that the Mandalorians don't like because he's besmirched the Mandalorian armor, and he was never really a real Mandalorian anyway. Just thinking of all the things they could have done because yeah, he's a clone. Exactly, there's just so much more meat there if you take both of those things and you put them into one. Store. I know I
1: had that exact same feeling by the end of these two episodes. Is like yeah. this should have been he should have been the side character yep. in that like that Boba Fett episode during yep. the Mandalorian. Like man, and at the time when Boba Fett shows up, like I really didn't care at in the mandalorian but he's become my favorite character in this whole thing like i've really enjoyed those these past four episodes where it's focused on him and it's where he was during that time period and how he um has reassembled his life and all that stuff it's been really interesting but i feel like uh it's slowly like not slowly even it's been losing my all the goodwill that Mm. it's like earned through that like in the past couple episodes now I know we also
0: parted ways on kind of the bookends of this last episode with the kind of um, the old west bounty hunter and the sheriff. Oh. For me, that that was the highlight of the episode. For me, I love that stuff. What was what was your issue there? And well, let me ask this first: Did you watch the the animated series with the the Cad Bane character, no. the blue alien? No, okay. I didn't.
1: Okay. Uh, my problem with it, it feels like the, all the mod stuff. Okay. It's so on the nose, like they're completely dressed like Clint Eastwood. <laughs> like, why? Like, it works perfectly fine just in the setting of we get the point that it's, it's in old, the desert. It's the in thematic. the desert. It's an old west. We get the point. You have old west Star Wars music over it. Why do they have to be dressed like the good, the bad, and the ugly all of a sudden? Like, there's no rhyme or reason to why would they be doing that? There's what's the reference that they're getting that from? Like you know this. And see, is- part of me is
0: it reference? It is, but is it all reference or is it also being budget conscious? I, I think of that every time, like, we're storming a meatpacking plant or, look, a casino, or it just feels but even, so close to our reality that— Yeah,
1: but, like, I mean, a meatpacking plant makes sense because, like,
0: that's something that when could, they're wearing aprons and carrying around. There was no production design. They threw up
1: some, uh, like, old trilogy alien writing on the wall. And yeah, but, I mean, that's a masks. food thing where, like that's like, that could exist in, like, <sighs> any— guess kind of culture or anything, but like I feel like the old West thing is such a cultural thing. Like, why would they be referencing that? I don't know. The same way as mods. They were on a Halo ring. They could have made it look like the inside of a Death Star. <laughs> it was a Halo ring. It was such a Halo, a halo, halo, halo ring. ring. I mean, so, I totally see I see your point about. Yeah. It. But that like the meat it just didn't jump out at me as yeah. much. It it is I mean, but I don't know. Yeah, I like the, the design of the alien in the yeah. but <laughs> yeah. He's a good character, and I like
0: how much uh practicality they had in yeah, in, uh, in his face and everything. I'm glad they didn't go CG with that. Yeah, for sure. Um, so okay. Uh yeah, we'll we'll see what happens this exciting week with the finale. Man, it better be a two-hour finale. It'll probably be like it's 40, be 40 minutes. minutes. Yeah. Gonna shoot a bunch of pikes, and then I don't know, Dengar will show up, maybe Solo. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> All right. Well, this week, we're talking about three movies. We are talking about Nightmare Alley, the new uh, Guillermo del Toro film, uh, which it came out in 2021, but we didn't watch prior to our kind of best of the year. Yeah. And then we're talking about um, a, a new movie, Sleep, which is a horror movie uh, from overseas. And Germany, then right? Yes, Germany. Yeah. And then our uh, Cinetron pick, Dark Water. Dark Water, Dark Waters. Waters. Yeah, sounds like a horror flick. It's Mm. not. It's Mm. a a legal drama. But let's start with Nightmare Alley. Uh, In 1940s New York, down on his luck criminal Stanton Carlisle endears himself to a clairvoyant and her mentalist husband at a traveling carnival. Uh, Using newly acquired knowledge, Carlisle crafts a golden ticket to success by swindling the elite and the wealthy. Clint, what did you think of Guillermo del Toro's Nightmare Alley? I liked it. <laughs> Period. I liked it fine. I li- that actually is
1: my exact sentence. I liked it fine. <laughs> I, I it it was I really enjoyed the first half of it. Yep. I really enjoyed the carnival and all the cast of yep. characters that are there and him like kind of um figuring out how he's going to like take control of this, uh, method to swindle people yeah. and him coming into that and the relationship he has with all the people in the carnival. And, um, it, to- it loses me the second half. Yeah. I really could not care about him out on his own now using this method to swindle people and, um, the relationship he forms with the, uh, psychiatrist, um, Kate Blanchett, is that right? Yeah. And I, I just did not care about any of that stuff, really. Yeah. Um. It it kind of lost me, and. But, I liked it. Yeah. So, what did you think? <laughs> it's it's a pretty flick. It's it, pretty. It looks good. Love the production
0: design, the costume design. Um, I I especially like the carnival at the beginning. Yeah. It reminded me of um the the Showtime show. Yep. Uh, carnival. Carnival. Yeah. And uh, I really enjoyed those moments. And it actually – I actually hadn't watched a trailer or anything for this movie, so it actually really, oh, really? threw me off hmm. when it moved completely away from that. And there's there's a brief visit from the carnival workers when yeah. he's off in the city, mm-hmm. and I thought, oh, okay, here's the tie-in. But they just sort of show up for dinner and then disappear again, yeah. and that, that felt wasted. And, yeah. you know, it, it didn't quite have me, but then suddenly when he's figuring out – that this wealthy client he has has a really dark, a darker than you would expect past. I thought, okay, here now it's going to really sink its teeth in and go somewhere mm-hmm. uh, with that. But it it just got very convoluted in its yeah. plot. It felt twisty for twist's sake. Yeah. And uh, and and I stopped. I stopped liking him. And it's okay that he became unlikable. I just still wanted to root for him. Yeah, yeah. I didn't. I didn't care about him suddenly at all. Yeah. I was really invested in him at the carnival, mm-hmm. and then almost instantly, I yeah. just felt like, nope. He's. I get it. Two years later, he's a jerk. I don't like <laughs> him.
1: <laughs>
0: I just don't he's like that guy. He's not good for her. Yeah. <laughs> get rid of it. Um, um yeah and and even if there would have been more tragedy or something towards the end with her but it just it, I don't know it it felt like it would uh walk up to something really interesting and then just change its mind
1: that's my whole thing with that second half and where it ends up at the end yeah that i feel like where he ends up is not justified by yep. what he goes through like i feel like it's almost like that um like he's trying to definitely in this version even more so than the original he's trying to push it almost to like a mouth of madness thing where yeah. he's like gone insane and he's like going to be the geek now spoiler yeah um but can you say spoiler after the fact of saying the spoiler yeah you know <laughs> i i
0: think, so like yeah. i don't even know if it's a spoiler because i think it really it's not trying to make that a twist i no. think it sets it up where yeah this is this guy's yeah. destiny from the beginning.
1: Yeah, So I feel like it's not justified that he gets to this point yeah. of being that because what does he go through? He loses yeah. some money and his wife loses leaves him? Loses some money and she leaves.
0: Yeah. That's it. And he's on the run from from the cops. Yeah, which essentially is what he was at the beginning, anyway.
1: Yeah, like I feel like there should have should have been one other thing. Like, or she needed or, to die. Honestly, she, if yeah. she
0: had died, yeah. because of his choices, exactly. Then I could totally get the ending of I I deserve this. Yeah, and and I am committing to this fate willingly because that's that's how low I think of myself. Yeah,
1: exactly. That's,
0: uh, I I would have totally. Yeah. Totally gotten that. And I really thought that's where it was going. Yeah. Um,
1: But. Also, I feel like, um, and this has been a thing with the past couple of Guillermo's uh, Guillermo's, (laughs) Guillermo's, um, movies for Mm -hmm. me. Like, I haven't been so totally sold on the past few movies. Mm -hmm. Crimson Peak. We both agreed on that one. It was,
0: again, gorgeous flick. Yeah. But it just, it's missing something.
1: Um. I feel like his style, like, I almost feel like if somebody else had made this movie, mm-hmm. um, I might have enjoyed it more. Because I feel like with the past few, there's this stylistic thing with the way he, like, frames things, mm-hmm. films things, the, the glossiness of the picture um, that doesn't match up with the content to yeah. me. Like, it still feels like Hellboy, yeah. Like there's this comic book aspect to it that doesn't totally match up with the subject matter. And also in this one, how he's using ultraviolence. Yeah. It it feels like too much of a shock and doesn't fit in. Like it's all of a sudden like super gory, but like, did it really need to be that like that? I almost wish he was. Either a production
0: designer or cinematographer, not yeah. a director, and working with a director. Right. Or he was just a director, and he wasn't so involved with production design and, and the look of the film. Yeah. Um, because it is. There's this 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 glossiness, this shine to everything that it doesn't quite match. Yeah. And you could go and have a darker director with that gloss. That contrast would work. Or you could go with darker imagery— with that glossy feel to his direction, and I think that would work. But when it's all put together, it's too artificial.
1: Yep. Um, I I kept feeling like it would have been amazing to see this movie made by, like, Paul Thomas Anderson or um, uh, somebody who – there's, like – I just imagine it with, like, this real film grainy – like look to it where it feels natural, and I feel like it would have had much more impact.
0: I just watched the Phantom Thread again. Yeah, uh, which that movie just grows on me more oh, and more and more. So good. imagine this plot in this movie. Yeah. looking like exactly the Phantom Thread. It would be uh, that that would really stick in my mind, and I think that would work when you're moving from the carnival to the uh, to the city and yeah. then back again. Um, but it it just it, it, it was strange because it had teeth with that ultraviolence, but it never felt like it, it bit any of the characters it needed to bite. Right. And so there would be this flash of gore, but not any flash of gore that had consequence.
1: Yes, exactly. Um, and it would be know. so over the top that you would feel like it would make an impact on the character at the moment. Yeah. But it's like, oh, we're just yeah. on to the next thing. As sudden. opposed to
0: if the wife had died yeah. and then the the psychiatrist wasn't, you know, uh, the crafty whatever and he ends up killing her too and he's just – he's gone through and he's torn up anything good in his life mm-hmm. or anything that could have helped him. Um, that then, that ending would have really sung, I think, because I I loved the ending – and I love the carnival stuff. It was just I needed something in between that got me from point A to point exactly. B. Exactly. Yeah. In, I, in a better way.
1: I actually think that twist with the psychiatrist works better than the original mm-hmm. because it's not yes. broadcast as blatantly yeah. in like the in the new version.
0: Yeah. Now did you like the the changes from the original because we both went
1: back and watched the original. It's I did on YouTube if anybody's interested. I did. I did like the changes yeah. um, that he made, and yeah. I thought they were smart. They were smart changes. I mean, I I still en- I enjoyed the original version. Mm-hmm. It was good. Um, but I could see why he made the changes, and it made sense. Um, especially even the end. I feel like like at the time when they the original it, it it makes sense like he wanted they probably wanted more of a happy ending for the character mm-hmm. and it kind of actually in a way it makes more sense in that with the development of that character through that that long section mm-hmm. in the second half of the movie because then you're not expecting more from that section yeah. like we were like we wanted him to have this arc in that time period that makes that moment where he makes that decision to be the geek or like to take on that job, we wanted um, a reason why he would do that. And in the original, there's no need for something like that. So that arc works a little bit better. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I was I was surprised too. Going back to the 1947 version, I thought it was surprisingly dark for the time. Yeah, uh, like now it's yeah it's very tame. But, but thinking about that releasing two world two years after World War II, right? Uh, it's it's dealing with some some really dark. Themes and mm-hmm. and uh, just even the way it treats alcoholism and things like that
1: yeah.
0: uh, was really interesting to me. I thought that was one of the things that that this new version actually lost. They really it, it's interesting because they emphasize it more. Mm-hmm. The fact that he doesn't drink, he doesn't drink, he doesn't drink, and then he starts to, and that's part of that slide. Yeah, but it felt forced, and For sure. and I think in the original version it felt much more natural. Yeah, um, of a slide there, and I I think. Not knowing what happened in his past in the original, as far as like the father storyline and yeah. things like that, I think lent itself to that a little more because he was just more of a a haunted mystery, yeah, rather than somebody trying to escape who mm-hmm. his dad was. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a little small, yeah, um. In in comparison. But, I
1: agree. Yeah. You know,
0: it just it was really interesting. I went into Nightmare Alley not even knowing that it was a remake. I thought this was yeah. just kind of an original mm-hmm. uh, you know, Guillermo wanting to poke around in the 40s and have some fun. Um and so as that's that's kind of my last thought on it. It's interesting, like the baby in the jar feels very yeah. del Toro, yeah. but then it it doesn't go anywhere. It's and I kept sh- waiting for this. This, I, know. I I didn't think it was going to go full supernatural, but I yeah. thought there was going to be this slight something supernatural or or a slight edge to it.
1: Yeah, that it, it
0: just never it never paid off.
1: I know, especially like something like that might have worked with where it ends up. Like yeah. the, it's slowly maybe with him like pretending to tap into the afterlife, like he actually does, or he stumbles yeah. into something that he wasn't on. Like. Yeah. Not knowingly doing, and uh, that could have worked. Yeah. Even if that's it was where just I subtle. thought it was going. Yeah.
0: I thought it was going to be he's a con man, he's a con man, he's knocking on what he doesn't believe in, and then suddenly it knocks back.
1: Yeah. Like, even, um, yeah, like he starts doing it for this, like trying to contact this man's wife. Not knowing that he actually has some power, and yep. he and he's trying to like show him like this is what you think you're messing with or yeah. something, and yeah. that could have been really interesting. So, uh, yeah, I liked it fine. It was. <laughs> I'm glad that we we're kind of on the same page because I was expecting you, like this was my favorite movie of the year. No, yeah, no. I would it go just... on your list? No. Yeah, I don't think it would go. No, on. it wouldn't even be a runner up. Yeah, it was too
0: average for me. Me too. I mean, if we're talking about something specific. Production design or costumes, yeah, like I, I can see somebody really, um, really loving this, especially that early carnival stuff, and even yeah. even the city stuff. It has an opulence, and it really does tap into kind of that 1940s uh, feel, very very well. But at the same time, it it also reminded me a little too much of Peter Jackson's King Kong.
1: Oh, okay, Again, that
0: gloss, <laughs> and it just, yeah, I'm sure that's what it looked like. But a 100 years removed from that almost, give me some grain and give me yeah. some some yeah. age to the film stock and something that evokes those old movies as much as it evokes that time. Yeah. Because that's what we're used to seeing that time through is, is that cinematic lens. Right. And so without that cinematic lens, it just it, – it feels too colorful. It feels too shiny.
1: Yeah. It almost feels like that um, – Leonardo DiCaprio, Great Gatsby. Yep, where exactly. that felt was too shiny too. Yep. Um, there were moments in of like there were shots in this certain ones that like would jump out of me like oh that was a really good shot. Mm-hmm. But at the same time I'm like it would have been really good in a different movie. Yeah. Like that where he's fleeing at the end in the car and they're on the snowy road yep. and he's like fishtailing and stuff. Like I was like that's oh that's an amazing shot. But it's just like. It's a sh- one shot
0: out of this. And there's something about his camera placement, too. His camera placement uh, feels very modern. Yeah. And and that's in contrast to, like, especially when I went back and watched the 1947 mm-hmm. film, you could feel that where things were closer to the characters and, and things were more weighted mm-hmm. in a way, whereas his camera feels very floaty and almost CG. Yeah. Um and and that's distracting too, because whether you want to or not, your brain understands how a camera works. Right. And when a camera just goes free floating through a scene, mm-hmm. it automatically feels false because you know you're watching something people shot. And if it's doing something that people couldn't have shot, it, mm-hmm. it just adds to that layer of of unreality. Yeah.
1: I think that's that worked better at the carnival section yeah. because there was such a weird magical feel to yeah. that. And um Something I did enjoy uh, uh, that with that section too, it felt very quiet with the way he kind of wanders in and like kind of naturally like learns about the other characters. And there's a weird quietness to that section that um, I really enjoyed. And I think that's what it was missing a bit in the second half or something. Well, and that two-year hop throws you off. I think if this was a three-hour
0: movie where it was an hour at the carnival, an hour – In between between Carnival and where you see their love kind of blossoming and them functioning as a married couple and him becoming more and more uh, desired by society. And then the third hour was, you know, him at at the peak and things just falling apart. I think that would have felt more natural because it was very jarring when it got to the city.
1: Yeah, maybe something in that second middle section where he's done some other dark things yeah, to yeah. get him to that point where yep. he's like uh, this kind of renowned um, small decisions that yeah. have big ripples. Right. Right. In the third Not, act. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, our next movie is from my, my new favorite uh, name of a director. <laughs> the director's name is Michael Venus. <laughs> oh yeah. That's a great name. It's <laughs> a great name, uh, but it's a little German horror movie called sleep that came out in 2020 and it's uh, – the the description reads, the idyllic village of Steinbach is being haunted by a mysterious demon. It turns out that the nightmares of Marlene are responsible for the dark events. Um, that's not a great description. But Clint, what would you think of sleep?
1: It, it was fine. I, I liked it fine. <laughs> I, I liked it fine. Yeah. I think this is a week of, I, I liked it fine. <laughs> This is definitely, I liked it fine week. Yeah. Usually
0: we don't have, uh, not to get ahead on Dark Waters, but usually we don't have three movies where it's just like, this is, you know, <laughs> this is, yeah, okay. <laughs> but go on. What I, did you uh, like just fine about it?
1: I like just fine. the. Um, <laughs> I I did enjoy like the dream sequence uh, yeah. um, in this. It felt, um, I don't know, they really nailed that feeling of a dream mm-hmm. and Especially when you're not totally sure in a dream if something is scary or, you know, like, it's almost on the verge of a nightmare, but there's also, like, you're not quite sure. And there's a hesitance where you're trying to figure out what's
0: next or if it's real or or if you're even seeing things correctly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: And I, I think they did a really good job with that and carried that through really well mm-hmm. to the end where it is clearing up what she's been seeing mm-hmm. and, like, in making more sense of it and realizing, oh, this isn't actually a nightmare. In in a towards you, it's almost like it's your your his the history of your family's nightmare that yeah. somebody went through. And if that makes sense, nightmare um, gaining substance yes. and
0: infecting beyond the original person who yeah. would have suffered from that nightmare.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. Um, so I think they did a really good job with that, and that was my favorite part of yeah. it. I um can't say that like I really grabbed onto any of the characters that that well, yeah, um, and I think there's just other movies that did like the like small town mystery, something maybe um uh, out of the ordinary going on. Uh, a little bit better. Even though I did like the setting of this, like, idealic yeah. kind of German town. Like, some of the shots where they're looking down into the valley were really uh, beautiful. But overall, I was pretty meh about it. Yeah, this is one I like the first half much better than the
0: second half. This yeah. this
1: falls into a
0: very old horror trope of over-explaining yeah. what's going on. Exactly. I think if this had stayed dreamlike mm-hmm. and you never could get a handle on exactly what was happening... Or what this, this ghost or succubus or demon or whatever it was yeah. was or what it was up to or why it was, you know, it, the the more vague it would have been, yeah. I think the stronger it would have stayed because it would have kept you off balance. Mm-hmm. The minute it started explaining things and over-explaining things, it gave you too much of an anchor point. Yeah. And it lost – I genuinely early on felt lost. Uh-huh. I didn't know if I was watching a dream sequence or something that was actually happening, and mm-hmm. so it it really connects you to the girl that's trying to figure it out too. Yeah, and uh, I enjoyed that. I I think some some more nightmarish nightmare imagery For would sure. have helped too. Yeah. Um. I'm maybe you know Michael Venus is just really scared of bores. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> and so every time that thing would you know emerge from the shadows and shuffle out, I just like.
1: Oh, oh, yeah, okay. it's a pig. That was definitely something that didn't go that that far. Like, yeah. wasn't yeah. of any consequence to the story. Yeah. And, and the other
0: thing, and and it shouldn't have, but uh, the last twenty minutes when the mother struggles out of the hospital and is yeah. is walking down the road and all that. Every time it would cut to her, I kid you not, I would laugh out loud. <laughs> it was so funny to me that <laughs> there are like cars driving by this yeah, woman. I'm yeah. like, nobody is stopping. <laughs> There's this woman in a hospital gown uh-huh. shuffling down the street, mm-hmm. and everybody's just like doop doop doop, gotta yeah. get to the supermarket. <laughs> I could not stop thinking of the Saturday Night Live end of that sketch uh-huh. where it's the people in the car. cars like, oh well, look at that! Should we do something about that? No, we gotta go get broccoli. Uh, it just, I, I I really laughed
1: out loud. Yeah, and uh, and and so you know whatever. Um, one, another thing I was like they could have probably done without was the kind of not even backstory, but just like other level to this man who ended up where they're like where he's they, going to be the mayor and he's but they're like not white supremacist yeah, Nazi something yeah, or other. That was a level of to it that just wasn't like necessary. Yeah. like it could have just been he was this jerk who killed murderer. He killed. This woman, and now yeah. she's haunting him and killing off all the people involved yeah. around him. Like, why? It just felt unnecessary.
0: And I couldn't follow the plot of the other girl where she poisons this entire room yeah. full of Nazis. Yeah. But just to knock them out.
1: Right. They were like, what? <laughs> I totally, what uh, was that? Because she yeah. didn't
0: know the ghost angle. She didn't know. No. Anything about this? So, what was her plan? Was she it just was just going to knock them all out for the evening, and then they'd wake
1: up and go back to their Nazi ways, and yeah. that was it. I I That's what I, I assumed. That was because they were Nazis. Yeah, but, but she didn't kill them when she was. When I thought she was killing them, I'm yeah. like, "Oh, this is dark. I like this." Yeah. No, no,
0: just just really wanted to play that go to sleep prank on them. Yeah. <laughs> for the night. Yeah. Um, So it it just. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what it was going for there. And, uh, you know, essentially they introduced an entire ballroom full of Nazis. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't shake at the end. Well, she killed the main guy. But what about the other 120? <laughs> You're just going to wake up and keep it's going. a town yeah. of 120 Nazis. What are we going to do? <laughs> did you catch the after credit scene? I don't think so. Or mid credit scene? No. Okay. I... I only did accidentally. So the credits play for a little bit. And then it's the scene where it's our main character and she is sitting in a kind of modern, almost, uh, you know, Berlin apartment. There's a party, it's colorful. Uh-huh. She's sitting on the couch talking to this guy and just normalish conversation. And then suddenly in walks the boar. Oh, I did. And see you this. <laughs> realize that she's dreaming. And then it goes back to credits. It's, yeah. What?
1: I feel like, yeah, didn't you finish all the business? You finished it all. Yeah. Why, what? And and it just, it felt very pretentious Well, maybe to me. now they're going back for all the rest of the Nazis. Uh,
0: sure, sure. <laughs> so, you know, I liked it fine, but I actually, just in talking about it, I think I liked it less fine yeah. than the fine of Nightmare <laughs> Alley, because I think this is a movie I could talk myself out of even liking fine.
1: Yeah. It's just, for me, it was like, that was something I watched. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And... Well, uh, and I felt bad
0: because i I was twenty minutes into it, and I was like, "You need to watch this thing, yeah, because it was at that point, I'm like, "Clint'll love this movie." Mm-hmm. And then, as I kept watching, I don't even think I kept it a mystery. I, I think I you even know, you said told me. like you okay, I'm sorry, <laughs> yeah. that, that definitely did not. I didn't want you going in watching it based on my twenty minute. Uh, take on it and then what was he thinking
1: (laughs) no it wasn't one of those where like what was he thinking like I could see the appeal to it and I didn't regret getting all the way through it yeah yeah but it was just one that's pretty forgettable yeah for sure all right, well, our next film is our
0: Cinetron pick, and it's called Dark Waters. It's based on a true story. It's about a tenacious attorney played by uh, Mark Ruffalo, the Incredible Hulk. <laughs> and he uncovers a dark secret that connects a growing number of unexplained deaths to one of the world's largest corporations. And while trying to expose the truth, he soon finds himself risking his future, his family,
1: and his own life. Clint, what'd you think of Dark Waters? This is the most dramatic movie I've seen in so long. It really is. It's I've never seen <laughs> such a drama. It's been years since I've watched a drama like just, this. Just a straight drama. A straight drama. Yep. And it was off putting. Yeah. To the point, like I'm like laughing, like this movie I was laughing at. And um I it was fine. It was like, it was like, okay, I was like, but I've gotten to the point where stories like this, just give me the documentary. Yeah. Like, I feel yeah. like I, I I just want the information. I don't need to see the life played out of this attorney. I actually feel more drama from a documentary. Me too. Than
0: from something like this. Yeah. Um, it just, I, I, I totally agree with you. This was, I think, the most terrifying information presented in the most bland way possible. Yep. Yeah, um, because really at its heart, this is a true story, yeah. and it's it's terrifying. Mm-hmm. There's stuff floating in all of our blood. It will not come out. Yeah, it's there because of what we eat, and everybody on the planet's got it, and it causes a bunch of bad stuff.
1: Yeah, I was ter- more terrified by John Oliver's twenty minute spiel yep. on this when he did it. Yep. Than this, and yep. man, everybody is so acting to the like they are acting yep. their heart out. Like I like Mark Ruffalo, but man, he was really swinging for the fences like he was doing that lip thing chewing that scene like pushing his lip out and then they show mm. the real guy at the end is like that guy doesn't even do that why yeah. is he doing that mm. and there would be moments where he forgets to do it mm. and then he would like catch himself and he would do it all of a sudden and mm. it's like why are you doing this it's so
0: distracting the and- peak of that scene is when he's sitting in the the board meeting and everybody's being evil lawyers. Yeah. And he's just standing his ground. And then Tim Robbins has this <laughs> like slam his hand on the yeah, desk. Yeah, And he gets super self-righteous about uh, what everybody else in the room should be thinking. And it was just, it, it was strange because this takes place over the course of almost 20 years. Mm-hmm. And it hops, you know, from year to year to year. And so it gives you that sense of, of how much time is passing. But the fact that they're almost at the end of it. And now this room full of lawyers are all shocked at what he's been working on. Like, he's been working on this for 15 years. Why is this moment so dramatic? I know. And it just, it it really, I, again, yeah, give me the documentary. Um, this was fine. It's, it's a very old school, old style drama um, yeah. that you've seen a hundred times before. And I would just I would rather have a really good uh, deep dive on kind of the facts and because you know they also combined characters and trimmed mm-hmm. interesting things out and yeah. they still had to make a two hour movie
1: yeah which I was really surprised that it, like it was such kind of a straightforward drama because Todd Haynes who did this mm-hmm. he did that like amazing um, Bob Dylan movie yep. where multiple people are playing him yep. and and it's so like unconventional and Brought weird something different. And I was like, "What he did this movie? Like, this must have been a paycheck movie for yeah, him." It really feels like, yeah, that. or it feels like a movie that that had a
0: lot more to it and was gutted in the edit.
1: Yeah, maybe. Um,
0: but even then, I
1: I don't yeah, know I what don't it know. would have put in there. Yeah, it just I think just it was just a straight laced drama from the beginning. And I tell you, I saw a lot of cow tumors. <laughs> Never seen that many cow tumors in the movie. Oh my gosh! That Bill Camp play, played that <laughs> yes. man. He was that – like. Man, that was the most stereotypical, you like know, West Bridget. Yeah. What's happening to my cows? Look at my cows. My cows. <laughs> oh, man. Like, yeah, it was. It was a lot. It was country fried. It yeah, was, it was. It was pretty
0: yeah. overcooked. It was. Uh, it was something. Hey, is, speaking of, can we can we move off Dark Waters? Oh, please, okay. Yeah, right. I watched. Did you watch the We Need to Talk About Cosby documentary? No, I've not. Okay, we need to talk about. We need to talk about Cosby. <laughs> okay, it's four episodes. What is this on? It's on Showtime. You should definitely watch it. It's okay. on Amazon. Okay. Um, you should watch it. It's 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 a great documentary that it really balances. At first, it, it really leans into his career and how different he was and all this. And then it starts to layer in these stories of these encounters that these women have. And by the fourth yeah. episode, it's predominantly those stories and very little about him. And it's really examining kind of the, what do we do about this, literally? Uh-huh. Uh, you know, Here's America's dad, and everybody loved The Cosby Show, and he did all this great stuff. But he was a predator and uh-huh. this monster behind the scenes. How do we, you know, where does the artist end in the personal life begin? Yeah. And it was really interesting to me. They don't talk about other people, but, you know, it's it's playing on Woody Allen and Kevin Spacey mm. and uh, mm. Harvey Weinstein and all of these people that, what do you do with the art? The mm-hmm. art has been produced. The art did good. Uh, Roman Polanski is another one. You know, it, it has value to it. But you know it's coming from a tainted source. We talked about this with uh, the professional, yeah, uh, with Luke Basson, mm-hmm. and you know what? What do you do with this knowing that in the original script, right, that Leon was supposed to to sleep with this kid, and that Luke Besson had a relationship with a thirteen year old. Yeah, what do you do with that? So it was just it was a really good four episode examination of that idea hmm. through the lens of Cosby. Um, it is uncomfortable, uh, not quite as uncomfortable as like the Woody Allen doc because that's yeah. dealing with kids, right? Um, but it's still dealing with sexual assault, and it's very blunt and on the on the face of things. And anybody who didn't believe these women uh, after watching this doc, if you still didn't believe these women, right? Like you're th- there's something wrong
1: because
0: <laughs> you can just man, yeah, you can feel it. Uh, but it's worth watching. The reason I bring it up is. Uh, How does this tie into dark water?
1: It doesn't okay. at all. I don't care about
0: dark <laughs> water. Where where do you, Clint Jones, draw that line between art and uh the artist? Uh the the things that come to light about the artist versus the art. Does that spoil things for you? And in other words, you know, usual suspects,
1: does Kevin Spacey's life and behavior ruin that movie? For me, with movies, it's so much harder because there's so many other people outside of that one person involved with the project Mm -hmm. there's other actors involved there's the director i could really enjoy um and so that's hard with something like that um like woody allen that um was much easier for me because he's at the head of that thing. Well, that's he's his, writing,
0: directing, ra- producing, that's his starring. Thing.
1: So that me for me was an easy like yep. c- clean break. I, I like and I wasn't a big Woody Allen fan to begin with, okay. so that's not hard for me. Um, like the Luke Besson, that one, like it's in the DNA of that movie. Yeah. Um. So it's like that. What's the point of me needing to have like? Also, something that I've come to realize that. It like there's so much stuff out there. Yeah, there's so much art. There's so much, like, so many movies, so much music. Like, for me, like, to cut out one thing, like, because like someone's an asshole, (laughs) like, is no, like, got plenty of other places to go. I I don't need you. Yeah, like, okay, but like I said, with movies, it can be, I can sometimes still enjoy a thing. And maybe just somehow like just ignore that because there's so many people involved. It's a group effort. Well, you and then this documentary
0: have ruined something for me because (laughs) before I I think I had almost a naive disconnect or more of a disconnect between art and artist until we had that conversation about the professional. It just never occurred to me that, oh, my goodness, it's right there on screen, almost like a confessional. Yeah. So then I'm watching this this Cosby documentary, and I'm thinking, you know, okay, well, the Cosby show, I love the Cosby show. The Cosby show is this innocent, like, yeah, he was doing this stuff on the side, but that was a a portion of his life, and mm-hmm. it did not infect the art. And then they're going through the Cosby show yeah, and talking about uh, Cliff Huxtable could have been any kind of successful doctor. He could have been a dentist. He could have been anything. He is – Uh, A gynecologist (laughs) who has an office in the basement of his home. Oh, yeah. Women come to his home, go down to his basement for their doctor's appointments and stuff like that. I just started thinking, oh, (laughs) it's right there. (laughs) Right, right. And so at some point, if somebody is really, uh, you know, that level of of deviant or, or whatever, and they're that in control of their work, it, I think, really starts to infect stuff. The, right. the Woody Allen documentary really dealt with that, too. Right. Look at how many of the love interests in these movies. It's a middle-aged man mm-hmm. and a, a teen girl. Yep. And once you start to see that, you can't unsee it. Mm-hmm. And you realize, oh, man, it's, it's there through the art. Mm-hmm. And so it's not just that person's presence anymore that taints it. It suddenly becomes... Oof right. baby driver. Yeah. You know, uh knowing that Kevin Spacey and young boys. Well, suddenly Kevin Spacey's what I would have previously said was a fatherly relationship <laughs> with baby. <laughs> right, right, Suddenly takes on a whole other creep factor, whether intended or not. You know, certainly Edgar Wright's not doing that. Yeah. But
1: but he could be playing it that way, yeah. Spacey, like yeah. in his in his head. Yeah. But and so it just it it really starts to taint it and you're absolutely right there's
0: so many other shows there's so many other movies you know why would i i put my money my time uh, mm-hmm. or or anything into somebody's work who you know at the end of the day if i don't see woody allen's latest film who cares right uh you know it's it certainly doesn't affect me mhm
1: so yeah i mean it's 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 tricky i mean yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: But, yeah, anyway, all that's to say, give that a watch. Okay. I forgot to mention that on what you're watching, but it was um, it was really well done, really good, really thoughtful. And not like the Woody Allen documentary. I got to the end of it, and I was just like, I need a shower, Yeah, and I need to not think about that yeah. again.
1: This With the Michael Jackson one, too. Oh, the Michael
0: Jackson one. Oh, Michael Jackson one. <laughs> I had so put that out of my mind, I even <laughs> forgot when talking about all this. That one was awful. I mean, great. But yeah. so yeah. hard. Mm-hmm. This one, this one is hard too, but I think it's dealing at a higher level where it's not um, you know, some of the stuff is shocking, but it's it's talking about a much bigger concept uh-huh. than than just him. Because everybody on screen's already like, Yeah, we we all agree this guy, he needed to go. Right. Um and this is bad, mm-hmm. and this is evil, and this shouldn't have happened. And so it's much more what do we as a culture do with with an artist, mm-hmm. particularly one like Cosby who's done so much philanthropy and, and all this good work. Right. Uh, quote. Uh, so it's just, it was really interesting. You should check it out. Okay, I will. So
1: uh we ready to Sinatron? Let's do it. All right, let's Sinatron. Hopefully not a Dark Waters drama. I just loaded it up with a bunch of movies. I mean, Tenetron did. Okay, I wasn't involved.
0: <laughs> you don't do this. It's the, the no, artificial it's... intelligence yeah.
1: uh So maybe something fresh and new will come up. Okay, not from three years ago. Okay. That was great. Oh my gosh. I've been waiting for it to land on this. All right. Tell me. The Greasy Strangler.
0: Oh, Clint, no. I watched a trailer for this thing. You've been talking about it, and I know I'm going to hate this. I know. I know. But it'll be a fun conversation. Okay. Can we do this? Yeah. I will watch The Greasy Strangler. You watch Dark Song. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, and then and then I will. Whew, I am setting you up with gold, though. Uh, yeah. Uh, you have now. Uh, this this has given me something. I just I suspect I'm going to really really.
1: I'm going to tell you that I don't I don't think this is a good movie. <laughs> it's an experience. Okay. It's, it's an, an experience. Okay. okay. Yeah. All like right. I'm not going and saying this is the best. Like my brother okay. might do that. Okay. But I, I I will not set you up as saying this is I, great. and I, I don't I don't recall you
0: ever saying like you gotta watch this, it's so good. Yeah. I I recall you saying, Oh, I want to know what happens <laughs> to your brain when you watch this. movie. I feel like we
1: should watch it together. <laughs> so I can watch <laughs> your brain melt out your face, pour yeah. onto the table. Yeah, okay. Uh, uh, yeah, so I will watch Greasy
0: Strangler. Um, this is this is my opportunity to twist your arm into watching Dark Song. I'm there's been no reason so I haven't Desperate to get your thoughts on it because okay. I love this movie so much. If it had come out in 2021, it would have been in my top three. Okay. I love this that much. Yeah. Now, maybe I'm overselling it, um, but I just—it is, it is, in my mind, the kind of supernatural horror I'm always talking about. Like, this is how it should work.
1: Yeah. So— Cool. Shot. There's no reason I haven't. I just okay. uh, keep forgetting. All right.
0: Well, it's not like there's a ton of stuff coming out, so we'll do Greasy Strangler, Dark Song, and some new thing. We'll we'll figure it out before the next episode. Cool. So, Sounds great. Right. Uh, as always, you can find us at CineBabbleCast.com. Uh, we always put up the latest episodes there. You can also find us on Instagram. Uh, at Cinebabel, and you can send us messages in the, at, uh, at either place. Here, very soon, I'm hoping, I need to send you a list of, of the questions and stuff that people have been sending. It's, <laughs> it's good stuff, Clint. Okay. And uh, I, th- I think we should do an episode where we just, uh, we'll prep for it. Okay. Uh, we won't try to think of things on the fly.
1: That'll be boring. Uh,
0: yeah, that would be very boring. I'm not, I'm uh, not good on the spot. No. Um, I'm usually not either. I think of the things, but then I can't remember the name, the director, and then it really becomes just Googling (laughs) during the whole podcast. Uh, But great questions coming in. So if you have anything you want us to talk about, be sure to send that in. Always a lot of fun. Uh, Otherwise, I guess this has been Cinebabel episode 48. We're almost at episode 50. Maybe episode 50. Why don't we do episode 50? We'll do our questions. Oh, that'd be good. Yeah, we'll just do feedback and questions and, and all kinds of stuff.
1: Yeah, that'd be a, that'd be a good fiftieth episode. The top one would be like, how did you make it to fifty? Why are you still doing this? <laughs> <Yeah>. Well, <laughs> and our numbering's weird because we're already past fifty because yeah.
0: we did like the Watchmen. We've done bonus episodes. Yeah. So, but you know, for our proper. for our main proper proper episodes, fifty. Yeah. Uh, and and this is a podcast that survived COVID. It uh it had a it went to hospital. In it was on yeah. a ventilator, and then it came back out. Yep. A year later, stronger than ever. Yeah, so. it took All some
1: right. of that horse medication. And, and <laughs> I've, pop- Ivermectin. Ivermectin. Yeah, it'll get rid of those horse little parasites. Too.
0: Or or the, I guess, horse parasites sound like they're little horses. <laughs> In <laughs> <your> stomach. <laughs> Just <laughs> galloping around. Yeah. yeah, this has been Cinebobble episode 48. Looking forward to next time. Uh, you guys stay safe and savvy.
1: Yeah, definitely Savvy. (laughs) Bye, Ken. Bye, Cliff.